So, Caleb, what are you thinking about in terms of game mechanics or red markets? Uh, well, to play red markets, you're going to need a ticker tape stock printer, mm-hmm. uh, a live ferret, right, and pomegranate seeds. Oh, so you're a little in the indie storytelling. Yes, yeah. yes. We're reinventing to tabletop. <laughs> now, does the ticker tape have to be an actual authentic one, or can it be a reproduction? It, if it's not actually authentic, the game explodes. Oh, wow. And it won't be compatible with the Hungry Hungry Hippos. Uh, well, the real question is, is it, it compatible? It needs to be Mattel 1989, <laughs> or just the game doesn't work. All right. <laughs> Uh, but is it compatible with Pathfinder? <laughs> All right, in this episode, Game Mechanics. So, hey, Game Designers Workshop, uh, not the company that has gone away for 17 years. Yet. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> One day. <laughs> so We will have that legacy of not existing. <laughs> uh, over your city's grass will grow. Uh, <laughs> so uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about Game Mechanics, episode three. Uh, yes, uh, it's November 13th. Sure. 2013, we're dating these, Yeah. much to my chagrin. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're going to talk about game mechanics this time around. Uh, so disclaimers, as yeah. always. Um, the rules aren't 100% ready, and they are likely going to totally change before <laughs> the game. So do not use this as, like, should I buy Red Markets or not? Because yeah. I don't know if these rules are going to work. We're going with a video game model of like here's a screenshot of our awesome game yeah and the actual game is totally good. vaporware yes. it's never gonna <laughs> no uh yeah hopefully it does happen yeah uh, the duke nukem forever of tabletop games <laughs> yeah that's a dear goal god, to go dear for. god no um <laughs> uh, oh there's a bit of news uh i just want to mention for those of you uh base readers fans um task force darknet is in we're working we have a rough draft of it uh peter Neil- nielsen also known as tadonori oyama on the forums uh rpbr forums is actually wrote the draft uh, I'm helping them with it, and uh, so that's so. If you you back that at the Kickstarter level, you can get that soon. Uh, and then for Heaven on Hit Games fans, yes, uh, there no security. We'll see its words will be immortalized in dead trees. Immortalized in dead trees. Yeah, uh, we are doing a print on demand version. Um, people were very generous with the pay what you want model for the PDFs once they went on Drive Through RPG. So uh, we didn't meet that stretch goal during the initial Kickstarter, but that's enough to sort of fund the nuts and bolts for making the book ready for print. Um, And the hope is, is that if you're so enamored with your dead tree version and that you buy one, uh, that we will get enough money that we can fund the sort of upfront cost of doing a good Kickstarter for red markets. Right. Um, Because you kind of need to Kickstart your Kickstarter sometimes. There there are some upfront costs. Yeah, there are. Artists want money for their work. Bastards. I know. <laughs> Weird. Uh, uh, so, yes, that should be available as soon as I get it done. Yes. I wrote the foreword. He did write the foreword. It's an excellent foreword. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, you, you looking forward. And we're also, uh, you're also still exploring options for distribution to get in brick and mortar stores. Yes, still. That, that's still up in the that, air. But that costs money. That so, costs money because yeah. you have to send the distributor. Many copies. Yes. And then they sell to other people. And then you get the money back. Yeah, the goal, uh, the goal of... No security is not to like me retire my RPG yacht. <laughs> it is to fund red markets at yes. this point, <laughs> and anything other than that just kind of gets in the way. 
what it's supposed to be. All right. So, uh, so mechanics. Yeah. Mechanics. Yeah. I'm terrible at these. <laughs> um, so they're not ready. Uh, they're going to totally change. Uh, everything needs play testing, and this is totally me- premature. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, if since we're being honest about the process here, uh, and that's kind of our ethos, it's yeah. uh, you do have to start somewhere. Like yeah. you do have to just put some random crap on paper before yeah, you. I mean, play any system it. like uh, you have to you come at it. Usually, I mean, when I work on a system, it's like I look at the first things I, I put on paper are the ones that I want the game to be about like yeah or the, the gimmick the concept what well, says sets this apart from other games so like yeah like kill explosion you know <laughs> i started writing the combat rules and the the powers of the characters yeah. first uh to try and figure that economy out first yeah system. i mean and this is just what i have so far but i think that is important to mention is that you need to kind of know what your game's about before you start writing things down yeah. because um it, so whether it's those three big questions or like yeah. Just a general theme in mind. You got to have something like that in mind narratively, like in terms of the fiction, to be an arbiter, yeah. like to decide amongst numbers. Like when you're thinking of things could possibly could work and you want to pick one thing to try, like right. if you don't have that in mind, you kind of get crippled by options. Or at least that's what I've found yeah. in my experience. So, um, yeah, in regards to that, the basic mechanic that I've thought of so far. I don't have a name for it. Uh, but you have a red D10 and a black D10. Uh, your red D10 is your overhead dice, and your black D10 is your profit die. Um, when you roll, you roll both of them, and your goal is to get in the black. Uh, and your modifiers, uh, be it your stats or skills or whatever else, go on your profit die. And the goal is if the black die doesn't land higher than the red die to have the modifiers to make it that way. Right. Or to spend resources until it's that way. Right. Uh, which gives you the sort of dwindling economic horror we're going for, as in, like, I don't have... I have three bullets and seven zombies. Like, yeah. scary math. Um, <laughs> but I have one friend who has one kneecap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> it's all in the numbers. Yeah. Um, Way to go, Shane. <laughs> asshole. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I, I wrote... I, I came up with that idea because I like the, the red and black idea because it's, in, you know, intrinsically economic. Um, but... At the same time, I wanted to make sure it works, so I got on uh, dice calculate. You can calculate all sorts of strange popularities with yeah, dice. Yeah, that's a, that's a uh, program. Is that like a web page embedded on? There's any number of websites yeah. that actually do it. Yeah. Um, you want to find one that lets you enter your dice type. Yeah. Uh, and modifiers, if that's helpful. Yeah. Um, so there's so what I did is that I, I I came up with that, but I wanted to make sure it, it, it's okay. So I I took all my rpg books because i'm right i'm getting dweeby about design stuff and i figured out mathematically what the success scenario is right and i figured out the percentage uh, uh, uh the probability so like if you take something like apocalypse world yeah where you need uh you roll 2d6 and you need yeah. seven or above right um you have a 58 percent chance just defaulting at something right uh, you get a 68% chance if you have a plus one modifier that jumps up to 79% at a plus two and an 87% for plus three. Uh, then you look at more brutal like horror games, which I looked at. So you look at um, Trail of Cthulhu. Uh, you have a four or greater victory condition right. there on your D6. So you only have a 33% chance at base, and that's why you spend. So one, 
goes to 49, two goes to 65, three, you're up to 82. Like, um, so there's that. So I realized that uh, what you really need to do and account for in gaming in general, or at least my theory, is that you need to account for a negativity bias. Right. You need to account for the fact that people are going to focus more on negative roles and positive roles. And then you need to account for the um, adolescent power fantasy of the fiction. Uh, and so what I took as a baseline is that to, it's good that if your dice mechanic, when you roll it at base, they still have a slightly better than 50% chance to succeed. Um, because you're still going to fail a lot. Right. And, like narratively that could end up dying. But uh, then you can kind of move with modifiers and stuff. Right. I mean, um, well, you're you're talking like uh, players will have a resource like which works in other games like Fate Points or Moxie or something like yes. that where they can have some narrative control where they can just spend those resources to guarantee a success in a do or die situation or yes. something like that. Uh, of course, that has later long term consequences, which also works in the horror aspect. But that's uh, I think that's I think that's key because like if you leave it totally up to the dice it le- leaves that's sort of the school of the Gygaxian naturalism <laughs> where like let the dice determine everything and then you have yeah. bee giant bees guarding gold in a cave somewhere because like that's just what the dice <laughs> fate is cruel yeah <laughs> uh, yeah no that that that's definitely so I was toying with d6s but I like d10s because if we're gonna do all this financial yeah, build a job manipulation. Working on a base ten kind of structure is going to yeah. make things easier. Modify as players, yeah, for easier to grasp their probability, faster yeah, math. Yeah. Like. yeah. Um, so what I figured out is that if you just roll a base, you have forty five percent chance to succeed. If you can't succeed on a wash, so like I have a seven and a seven. Yeah, seven red, seven black. Uh, but it's fifty five percent chance if a wash succeeds. So that's what I'm going to go with. So if you get a four and a four. You still win, um, but not as well as if you got a 10 and a 1. Right. Uh, so that makes it a 55% chance to succeed just at base. Yeah. Um, and it goes up to 64 at 1, 72 at 2, 79 at 3, 85 at 4, 90 at 5, you know, that kind of stuff in terms of modifiers. Okay. Um, so that's the basic idea of the system is that you're sort of generating your difficulty number uh, as you go along uh, randomly. And it's going to hopefully save the GM a lot of work of deciding that this is going to be a yeah. X number mob of zombies versus a this number mob of zombies. Have you considered possibly um, for some situations or some places having a static red number like i know that you know some players are better than math than others but like you know if you're rolling a red into the dice black it could be easy to like flip the number like say you roll three red and seven black but the the red's on the left so you subtract three from seven instead of the other way around um have you is that um i i would i might consider that my my i was thinking about i was worrying about that but like the basic thing i want to say is like is black higher than red? Yeah. Yes. If no, no. And, yeah. and and then past that, you can kind of motivate. Like, yeah. so my my main goal is to you know just remember that you're only ever modifying black. Like you, all your math is only done on the black number. Okay. Uh, and just leave the red number alone. Once it's there, it's there. 
Yeah. Uh, so you could solve that, I think, uh, through procedure by saying roll the black first and then roll the red dice to see. Yeah. Because then other because if you roll one die at a time and uh, then, oh yeah that could work too yeah, yeah roll the black and then add and then now you know your number yeah don't roll the red higher than that yeah exactly uh, that could work um, definitely um, so yeah it, it's gonna be yeah. that's play testing stuff yeah yeah um, but that's the basic mechanic of the game that I'm hoping that other things kind of serve right so. Um, Next is character generation, I guess. Because yeah. uh, from what I've been hearing from various designers, it's good to get that in early. A lot of people look for that yeah. early in books. So. Well, it's important because I mean, how do the <laughs> what are what yeah. are numbers, bonuses, and modifiers are players rolling with? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's certainly for me like a lot of systems. I've always wanted to try something. Character generation is not like you know. There's been attempts at like doing life paths and stuff like that from Cyberpunk to Eclipse yeah. Phase, but like doing like character generation, a lot of times doesn't have any like. How does being uh, having a plus four to like burglary or academics? What does that really fucking mean? Like, what did you do with your life? Are you an academic prodigy or are you a scholar who spent fifty years? So I don't know. That's one of my pet hobby horses. Like trying to come up with a life. Like I in my childhood, I had a bad childhood, but I went to high school and I did this and I did this and that. That, that those are my. You don't skin. want people to build Tom characters. Well, I want people are- like their character sheet to actually look like. A resume or a dossier, yeah. like this is their background and this is what they do and mm-hmm. this is what marks they got in school and that's why they get an eighty percent at this or whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm speaking about Tom's character from a Night Black Egg game who was both a yeah world the world class document forger. I think in the in the yeah, actual text language, yeah, he was the best at it in the world uh, yeah. and also a military grade sniper, which was totally allowable. I mean, you didn't break no, your- totally allowable, but like, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that you might want to avoid in your yeah. if you want like less Gonzo character. Concept. I mean, part of that is I think the Gumshoe system. Like it says, yeah. you have twenty points for pools. Go crazy. And then like, but then they say only put up, if you put more than three in one investigative ability, you're really, really fucking good at that. They don't really mention that. Yeah. So like people want to be simple with their character class. I forge and I snipe, uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, like they don't want to like, some players don't want to read a shitload of skills mm-hmm. to figure out what they all do and distribute them just right, blah, blah, blah. It's just like, fuck it. Let's go. Yeah. Um. Well, I'm, I am actually going to try and avoid the whole hacking slash... <laughs> Hang gliding katana wizard or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm going to try, but I, I don't know if I've engineered right. that. So my basic idea is that you have gifts, which would be your stats in base RPG language. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am not going to, uh, y- uh, yet, I'm not going to couch them in a specific number. Right. Uh, it'll just be one, two, three, four, and that's your modifier for that. Um, then you've got your qualifications, because my goal is to still make the character sheet look somewhat like a resume. Um, to fit with the uh, financial right. theme, uh, those are your skills. Uh, those are married to gifts, so like you have a strength skill married to a strength stat. Uh, you're adding those together to make your modifier. Uh, and my basic idea is that your qualification can't be higher than your your gift. Like you can't be a better hacker than you are basically intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. Uh, you've got your tools, which is gear that is married to a certain uh, skill. Uh, that so, like, if you have a really great gun, it gives you a plus one. If you right. have a really excellent computer, you have a plus one. Uh, if you've got a field kit uh, of medic and stuff, 
Uh, but the thing with that is, is that those are all going to have charges. So if you lose your gear, you can't pay the upkeep on it to keep it working. Or if you spend all your charges to get that black die up above the red die, which you can do, and the game lets you do, but you run out. Like So you're losing modifiers. Uh, you're, it's becoming difficult to maintain tasks as you go on because you're losing one-third of your modifier for every roll. And the closer you get to base, you're just right. you know, going to fail. Right. Um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, I also want to have backgrounds. So, like in a fantasy setting, those would be like racial abilities. Right. Um, that would be pluses and minuses, depending on what you did before you were a taker, which is right. the name I'm coming up with um, for the player characters in that. Uh, so, like a background would be like a raider. Like you used to be a mohawked Fallout bad guy right. before you decided to, like, maybe not kill and eat people but try and earn a living you could have the the uh unicorn legendary unicorn of player character backgrounds you had an emotionally stable (laughs) childhood doing just fine you're doing like you don't you have just again that just gives you a bonus to willpower like you you have perspective and maturity and you like you're not going out being a crazy person but yeah so yeah are you're latent you're already infected you just haven't blossomed into a zombie yet uh (laughs) you're a convict uh you're a believer so you're a member of some crazy post-apocalyptic cult that is your contacts yeah yeah. so the the basic idea is that it will give you a benefit on certain qualifications but it will also give you a negative on other qualifications right and or a uh a a very negative like narrative disability like if you're a raider People aren't gonna like you, especially Face tattoos more, and the scars. Yeah, especially in isolated settlements that still fight them off all the yeah. time. Uh, if you are latent, you're not getting into any safe zone via bribery or anything else. They're gonna try and kill you. Like, yeah. On, so, like serious narrative disabilities. Um, but then there's also experience, and those are just like profession perks. Like you are a sniper, you are were a doctor, you. Were a financial manager, like you know, yeah. you are good at a certain thing because you did it before zombies were everywhere. Um, so you've got that. Um, then I've got more narrative stuff, so like motivation, which is going to be you know a personal ethos. Uh, fulfilling it gives you uh, a, a meta narrative point that you can kind of spend. Uh, so like you're seeking evidence of something, you're seeking closure to find a lost loved one. You're you're seeking revenge. Anything that gets you closer to that earns you right. that. Um, and then uh, that would lead <laughs> to will, uh, which is your win point, basically. So I think a will point, if you spend it, you switch red and black. Uh, so then your your overhead becomes your profit die. Right. And you just succeed uh, probably pretty well if you're spending it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you only do it when you, like, it's yeah. really bad the other way. <laughs> yeah, so it's, you know, very low, very scarce economy on those points. Um, but you get those by achieving your motivations. And then there's your retirement plan, which is your goal to not be a PC anymore. Yeah. Um, so basically what you're banking all of your funds towards. Or trying uh, to, Yeah. yeah. Um, now, it would be interesting if, um, do the retirement goals provide 
a concrete advantage? Are they part of like if you like you're doing it for your family, so you get plus one will because you you're doing it for other people, or like you're ahead in this, so you like have better contacts with drug dealers or something like that? Oh, have you thought about that? Is that um, yeah, my my goal for the retirement plan is to be both um, the humanity system. Yeah. Like it will be a big bonus towards what is basically my sanity system, which gotcha. I'll get into, and then uh, at at the same time, it's going to be a competing factor uh, for your character advancement because I have decided I want all character advancement to be financial. Like if you get better at hacking, that's well, you're not going to get better in the field. You need time to practice and screw up without being eaten. Right. So. That's time you're not scavenging. That's time you're not looking for jobs. That's time you're not doing this. Like it will have a financial cost. Like if you want to get better at shooting, that's wasted ammo. That's you have to go to shooting range. Just, yeah, you or have to build a shooting range. Like they, yeah. so, my my goal is for the, all character advancement is financial advancement. Like you don't have to like train for it. You don't have to do anything. You just spend money to get better at it, and we assume that you did it off camera. Um, so, I like that. Yeah. So, but the thing is, the the more you spend on that, the less you're spending on your goals. Not being a yeah. horrible grifter in the wasteland, like right. So, um, yeah. So this is an interesting mechanic. It actually reminds me uh, some fantasy RPGs, uh, including like Hackmaster. Uh, actually, you in order to level up after you've got enough experience points, you had to actually go to a fucking guild or academy to train up. Mm-hmm. And so, like in Hackmaster in particular, they had like. Oh, did you make a friend during uh, when you were training up at the guild, or did you make an enemy, or did you have a good instruction? Do you so you gain like you make random roles and benefits like when you went training, so there's some randomness to the training itself. Uh, but also that also put a bottleneck. Characters at a certain point like we have to stop this dungeon. I know the kingdom's sake, but I, we need to go back to town so I can fucking level up my dude. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't give a shit. Like I, I can't fight these guys. <laughs> I need to I, take a college course. Yeah, right I need now. to take a college course <laughs> in killing dragons. Like so. Um, I mean that's a very good way of like uh, as I I like that idea because like I mean the it, the typical RPG you know Ludo narrative dissonance yeah. is like I've been killing orcs now I can speak Elven you know yeah like, yeah uh, why the fuck did that happen um, no you need to go back and yeah. I mean I could see I mean I could see some benefit to like experience especially in terms like perhaps there could be certain skills you could only get through training and some skills that you could only get through in the field like applied zombie hand-to-hand combat that's not you can't learn that in school you know he like like getting attacked by a zombie and not getting bitten is a pretty esoteric art you know what i mean yeah but like i mean you can explain that away narratively so like the thing is i'm trying not i feel like i've already wanted a unified mechanic yeah i feared it already made it too complicated okay i'm already worried about that but like the thing the way i would explain that is like yeah you need to train that but don't screw up ever. Like you yeah. either need don't need to train that at all because you're already pretty good at it because you survived your zombie melee combat <laughs> training, right. or you need to get a zombie, bring him inside the walls, rip out all his fingernails and teeth, yeah. and he's your sparring partner. Yeah. Like which takes time and effort okay. and like a facility and yeah, you get to screw up because that's what learning is. It's yeah. screwing up. All right, Follow I'm, this podcast. <laughs> um, like, uh, but you know, in a survival situation, you have very little room for that. Okay, uh, I have thought about that though. Like, and but you know, the thing that is, could be something like a, a, a supplement, an in optional future. rule, yeah, like something yeah. in the margins. Like, That's what player handbooks are for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need to think about your market for red markets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
let's plan four books ahead. Yeah, with exactly. The game not written. <laughs> um, well, actually, Tad gave me this idea on the forums. Yeah. Uh, he said that everything should be financial. Like when you get hurt, you don't die. Yeah. You're gonna have to pay to get that fixed. Like, um, I, I mean, that, that makes it that really emphasizes the theme, the thematic. Yeah. Core uh, the I think that's too far into the gamist, not gamist, the narrativist perspective yeah. for me. Um, like if you're if you're bleeding out, there's no amount of money that's gonna staunch the wound. I don't know. You stuff enough ones in it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like a stripper. Any stripper would tell you yeah. that you can really <laughs> stop some blood flow with ones. Um, but no, but I, I do want there to be like healthcare is not free in the wasteland. Like yeah. there will be a faction or people that you can call to. Yeah. but it'll be exorbitantly expensive. Doc wagon. Uh, also, I think I'm going to make a drug that allows you to be latent. Okay. But it's inordinately expensive. So like, uh, like if they call it suppressant, like yeah. one of you gets bitten. Zombrex, yeah. Yeah, one of you gets bitten, but you have one vial of suppressant. So yeah. that person takes it, becomes latent, but they don't instantly turn into a zombie. But better hope nobody else gets bitten until you can afford a vial of it. Like, yeah. so I'm like, that would be that'd be more along the line. So I'll probably do something like that. Okay. Um, but I, uh, regarding the character generation, I am gonna make uh, money is essential to staying sane. Uh, so I, I have a humanity system for that. Um, so the basic idea of that is that I've been talking, going back to the research. Yeah. Is that um, I've been reading a lot about. I read a lot about poverty just yeah. for my job and you know and as a teacher. Yeah. Uh, and understanding poverty and things like that. I recently just read another um, article today about by a, by a woman who's extremely poor. Was that uh, on Kinja? Yeah, yeah, it was on yeah, Metafilter, yeah. Yeah, yeah, about why I make terrible decisions. And she's yeah. like, I don't I don't see it as terrible decisions because you it's only a terrible decision if there's hope. Yeah. Like And that's like, a bad thing. Yeah, about it's only a bad thing that if I spent five dollars at Wendy's, if I don't accept as a given yeah. that something horrible is gonna happen again later. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's that's how money makes you sane or not. Yeah. Um it, it relieves you of that court of It gives you a sense of security. You're not like in that sort of not quite fight or flight mode, but that always stressed out, you know, sense. I mean, like if you, if you take some, any animal, including us, and you just give them a, a constant low level of stress, you know, then that kind of like reduces their immune system. It like their ability to think everything. Yeah. I mean, it just fucks up. I mean, it's, it's a very bad status condition. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, so uh, it's multifaceted. Yeah. And cause I really like the unknown army systems where like looking at your stress bars tells you how the person is. Like, yeah. I really like numbers that, give you a narrative to work off of yeah um so my basic idea is that your humanity system which isn't about so much like remaining sane because i want there to be like really crafty npcs who are monsters because they just lost it in the wasteland in terms of like being a person anymore they adapted they're well suited to their environment they're just not well suited to like not murdering you or taking all your stuff right um so the the basic humanity system is that there's three tracks there's connection which is, you know, um, connecting with friends, family, right. human emotions. There is uh, security, like, so your feeling of being threatened, paranoia. You are always in enemy territory in the game, pretty right. much. Um, and then there's just general stress. So it's not just being attacked by zombies all the time. It's like, where am I going to get food? Where am I going to do this? Not immediate threats, but the constant financial wear down right. of where you're at. Or finding out what the horrible biker gang did to the town and just yeah. the PTSD from that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so um, 
so connectivity, uh, you lose that when you like lose a loved one or a team member, or a friend. Right. Uh, are you witness like atrocities in the field, like, oh, okay, terrible so that's things? Because uh, okay. you become disconnected from you, you compartmentalize humanity because that's okay. bad. Um, security, you uh, lose it when you get serious injury. If you're infected, if someone you know is infected, um, if there's, uh, I'm, I'm calling my zombies casualties. Yeah. I'm gonna try, and I'm gonna call the the basically the apocalypse, the the recession. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna really just go all out with the financial stuff. So uh, yeah. uncommon casualties will be like the fresh ones that can sprint and stuff. So like those, just seeing those really damage your sense of security. And or if then, like if you have a base and it gets attacked at night. Exactly. Uh, uh, and then uh, stress is just like uh, money problems, encountering regular zombies because they're always there. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, things of that. So you've got these three tracks. And basically, when they hit you, um, you've got three levels. So I'm calling it a, a snafu, which mm. situation normal, well, everything fucked up. Fucked up. Yeah. Um, a scandal and an atrocity. Uh, and so the way it works is that if you hit your snafu level in one of the levels, um, you perform a snafu. So you get, a, you can, I want to make a random roll table because who doesn't love random roll sanity tables? <laughs> right. Uh, but I also want to allow it. And it can be basically anything. That it's a minor fuck up that hurts the character and inconveniences the crew. Okay. So like, uh, if you perform a snafu and um, connectivity or something, um, you forgot to bring everybody else's ammo. Yeah. Like you got your own stuff, but just slipped. Your they're mind. not people. So like, the, your buddy like goes for his next. You were clip. too stressed out to think. It's about like it. yeah, you didn't pack. The, you were too stressed out. Or yeah. if you are you do a snafu and stress. Yeah. You like just start breaking down and crying. You can't handle it anymore. Well, you eat all the rations, comfort food. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that kind of stuff. If minor inconvenience is pretty bad, uh, a scandal is that it, it endangers you and your crew. You so break like, your own gun. Like uh, security, you go nuts and like use the big powerful gun to kill the zombie when you're just making more noise to attract the horde. Right. Uh, or you flip out your connectivity and you go on a zombie murder rampage and just wade into them because you failed your connectivity test and your friends have to go drag your ass back. Uh, yeah. Atrocity is you you actively betray your crew, physically, professionally, or in sensibility. So, like, that's when you do something really, really bad. Like, uh, so a stress, uh, a stress failure might be uh, you take the you take all the company's money and just try to run, uh, you know things that. So you're almost an NPC at that point. Although there will be mechanics to go back, and then at past that level, you are an NPC. Like, right. I was um, going to say. I mean that, that at the at the atrocity level, that, like that sounds like zero sanity. Yeah, it, it might be something like that. Yeah. yeah, I haven't quite decided if there's a level past that or if at the atrocity levels you're done. Right. But the basic idea is that with each level. Um, once you go past a regret, which yeah. is the snafu, you can't go back. So once you hit your snafu, you don't go back down to zero. You can never go lower than snafu. Right. So now you're just trying to prevent your scandal. Right. Um, and that the only way to get better, uh, other than like a couple of skills in the field, like calming people down, like a leadership skill or something, um, is to pay money. Like uh, the only way to get better at connectivity is to get a pet or Skype your family in the refugee camp or uh, take some time off. And that's money you're not spending or money you're spending on the Buy everyone around at the bar. Yeah. Um, uh, the only way to get better at security is to 
spend a bunch of ammo killing zombies around your place or fortifying the walls and raw and the only way to get better with stress is to have more money uh and and i will say that like they i will say that like regardless of what happens everything goes up every game like so if you make all your checks and you're just badass everything still goes up by one because you've been being badass for a long time and it's tiring uh so you all you're always you're always playing upkeep mm-hmm. on not going crazy uh, and so the basic idea is that you're kind of split between we made this finite amount of money for this job. Right. Do I buy a better gun? Do I get getter with my gun? Or do I make sure I don't put my gun in my mouth? Like, right. you know, that that kind of split between. And then you've got that split. What's going into the bank? Like what's going into your retirement plan? Right. Um, so that's the basic idea of the humanity system. You You do have to pay in some ways to do it so or you could like didn't you mention like popping zombies like as a game with your sniper rifle well yeah like in uh, remember the 2004 dawn of the dead remake yeah they're like oh shoot the guy that looks like geraldo like is that they're talking to the gun shop owner from across Mm -hmm. the the roof and so they do that for fun like it's just a way to kill time because they got nothing better to do and a gun shop owner has a shitload of ammo so he just shoots zombies for for fun so yeah and i think that would be like a great way to do it like you're spending money uh, I, 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 that's a good example. Like I would probably say with that one though, like you're spending money and you're getting a bonus in security, less zombies Yeah. and a bonus in stress. Yeah. Fuck you zombie. Yeah. Um, but I'd say like when you're getting two for one, there's probably a drawback. So I'd say your, your problem with connections probably go up cause they still look like people. Right. And you're just kind of like. Well, I mean, lethally murdering people. I think it wouldn't. It would be. It wouldn't be that. Like your connectivity sounds more of it, like an external, like almost like your reputation in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Like, and if you're the kind of guy who's going around, like I understand, like even if I'm living in a post-apocalyptic zombie world, I know like shooting zombies is necessary. But if like. I don't want to hang out with the guy who just fucking shoots zombies for hours when there's yeah. no reason to. Like, dude, there are limits. Like, don't you have anything better to do with yeah, you? Yeah. So, like, I would see it more as that. But that's that's me. Like, that's a, that's actually another good question. Um, how external are these versus internal? Because obviously, like, connectivity, it could be your internal state, but, like, how you connect to people. But also, is there a separate thing for that social reputation? Like, that, like how people think of you? Like, how... Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah um, I am going to – I'm hoping right now yeah. the current draft is that, that the reputation is how people see you is going to kind of get, get folded into your company sheet. Okay, so that's um, right. Okay. Because your company sheet is largely de- so determined could, by perception. So could the, uh, the, the various – what do you call that whole system, like your sanity system? Is there like a – I just called it the humanity system. The humanity so. Sorry, yeah. humanity. So could humanity snafus or whatever affect the company? Would there be rules to interlink it to others? Um, yeah, so for like entrance, I have an idea of like backgrounds – yeah. Uh, so, like, one of the backgrounds I have, uh, you're a sociopath. So, like, the way you got through the uprising was by manipulating, sacrificing, and lying your way so other people died for you and you escaped. Right. Um, and I, I have it at this point, this late in the game, people realize, well, you at least survived. And as long as I don't trust you, you're pretty good in the field. Like, yeah. you know, says you're a smart thinker so so that background you'd get bonuses for like manipulation skills and financial skills but i'd say you like start out with an atrocity or a scandal level in one of your tracks like because you're that guy that's saying, right 
you know, go that way. And while the zombies were feasting on your friends, you went out the back door. Right. right? Um, so I, I do have some plans for that, but not codified okay. 100% yet. Because um, what... One other interesting, the way I'm thinking I hear about this now is like a, the standard RPG thing is um, model is that the character creation and campaign model very open ended. Like characters in like Dungeon Dragons or even Shadowrun or even like uh, can have like even even in some horror systems like the World of Darkness can have very long careers. They can yeah. have many many adventures, but this one seems almost it seems very modeled on like having a finet. Like you go on your six adventures, you know, your six missions or your 10 missions or whatever, and you're either done or you're dead, uh, you know, get rich or die trying. Yeah. Um, and so, and obviously character turnover would be like closer to call Cthulhu than say, you know, Dungeons and Dragons even, um, in terms of generating new characters. So is that, did you, do you picture that sort of like character can- campaign should have a definite beginning, middle and end of a certain length? Um, not really. But I do want to. I, I really want to make sure that, like, I want to fight the murder hobo. So, like, yeah. you, you are a murder hobo, but no one likes to be a murder hobo. Right. Like, it's a really crappy lifestyle. And um, so, I do want to like give the idea of constant, ever living stress. So, like, if you do have a long career in this, it is either because like you are really good at your job, but things keep going wrong, or you're not so great at your job and yeah. you just can't quite make it work. Right. Um. But it, if you if you last a long time, it's because you're making a bunch and spending a bunch. Right. Um, so that, I really think like the length of the campaign is going to be part of the GM's function. Yeah. Like determining how much a job is worth and, uh, and then it's going to be part of your company's function. Like what is your overhead? Like, are you dropping napalm on every city you go in to do a job in? Cause like maybe you should just sneak around and shoot them with a 22 instead, you know, um, so yeah, I could see games being very short. We're all crazy and dead or yeah. we made a big score and we got out. Yeah. Or I could also see games just sort of constantly teetering like, well, right. We, we lost this, but we gained this and we got that. And you know, it's, okay. it's a, it's a poverty simulator where you don't right. have to deal with the actual boredom and <laughs> sadness of poverty. Just the constant terror. <laughs> just the constant terror and stress. Yeah. Uh, and you, but you get guns. So. You have guns. Woo. Woo. <laughs> and you get to shoot people things. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah. Because so, I mean, that I think that's sort of one of the, the main things that um, will be interesting to see how the system, how it actually turns out in playtesting uh, is how groups respond to that. Whether like and one other thing to keep in mind is like, how do you introduce like how have you thought about character integration, like new in, bringing in new PCs, you know, Joe Bob. Yeah, committed his atrocity. The PCs didn't give him a chance to redeem himself. They just shot him when they found out he <laughs> ran off. Like they just yeah. fucking shot him. Uh, so how does Joe Bob's player come in with a new PC? Um, that's going to be a, a, a fiction function. Okay. Um, I mean, would there be any like legacy rules? Like if Joe Bob brings in a new player that's fresh and like he he just loses all his progress. You know, like in Dungeons and Dragons, like if you die, you don't. You can be brought back from the dead. You don't start over to level one. Which isn't a big deal if you're like a level three campaign, but like if you're level thirty, you don't want it like you know level one wizard isn't gonna yeah. do shit. Uh, so would there be? I guess there maybe like maybe options for bringing in more advanced characters. Uh, well, the the company the the basic idea in the fiction is that yeah. you've got this dark net running because you know yeah. future Google 
uh, is geothermally powered and the government had to abandon it, but there's a bunch of hackers in there who run it. Yeah. Uh, so you've got access to this, and the basic idea is that the the takers, the the guys who make the red market, um, they start functioning initially, but they're all supposed to be dead because the government denies anyone survived, like because they don't want to say they left anybody behind. Right. So they start making their groups and and organizing through um, like crappy disused, uh, what is it called? networking sites like mm-hmm. LinkedIn. Yeah. Like nobody uses it. It's crappy. It's useless. So they go on there and disguise it. So like, I'm a telecommuter. No, you're not. You're a sniper. Like <laughs> I'm a blue collar worker, meaning I'm really good with a sledgehammer on people's heads. Like it's all done in code and resumes. So the basic idea is that you can attract new people. So like you can attract like one of the backgrounds is bait. So yeah. meaning like you either always escaped the zombies or you were born after the zombies. Uh, in a safe zone, but mom is sick, nobody can work, and this is the only way you can make money in time to get her treatment. So you jump a fence. like So then your your skills aren't as great, but then you could also like headhunt and not like zombie hunt. Like, wow, um, Go On Without Me's crew has a really good uh, machine gunner. Okay. Like, so there would be like instead of being like the equivalent of a zero zero money character, there would be yes. something like I spent fifty grand on character improvements. And yeah, I would probably make it. Uh, so Joe bought that. That was the main thing. Like yeah, Joe. I'd probably make it instead of a mechanical disadvantage for doing that. Yeah. It'd be a narr- You'd have to do a narrative right. mechanic. So like, well, uh, I did come join you guy, but I still le- I stole a bunch of money from the crew I was working with before I left. So they might come asking for me or. Everyone, I, my former crew died, and I'm nearly snapping and crazy because there are, right. you know, it would be more narrative effects than okay. than anything. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a good question about yeah. doing that kind of stuff. I don't really want to punish people for dying, even yeah. Other than dying, I mean, you know, we had the that discussion. I don't know if you saw it on the forums. Yeah. about like what in the Pathfinder game for those of you who aren't familiar. Um, in my Pathfinder game, uh, if we die and we come back, we lose a level or we make characters one level lower. Is that fair? I thought that's total bullshit. I thought it was fair because I think there should be some mechanical – because like in – especially in Pathfinder D&D games, you don't die because of a dice roll. You die because you made a bad decision and then the dice hated you. Like there's a combination of things. So like – and one level in a Pathfinder game isn't as big as like it used to be. You know, it's especially in a high-level game, being level 29 is almost as good as being level 30. So – but anyways – yeah, like I mean, I I really don't want to go for the the well. This goes into like killer GM aesthetics. Yeah. Like how how much of a aster do you want to be behind the table? Right. Like, I really don't want to engineer a game where you're just like, nope, you're dead. Sit yeah. here for two hours. Like right. Even though I want it to be scary and tense. Well, you have the good the mechanic for bringing in new players, uh, yeah. characters. Uh, it was just making sure that they wouldn't be the level one apprentice versus the level twenty zombie killers. Yeah. Uh, so and it sounds like you have that. So yeah, and and. Uh, you know, you can also organize your outfit any way you want. Like maybe you have yeah. a tontine. Like maybe you know you get the share of the dead guy for joining yeah. up. Like so, you could spend the banking stuff to make your character. Yeah. Like you could spend their retirement fund funds to get better at skills at character creation for your new guy. But then you're just starting at zero again in terms of like getting out of the wasteland. Right. Um, so some kind of penalties. But the thing is, I want combat to be deadly and I want it to be scary, but I don't want it to be like brutal right uh i want i want the brutal things to be out of hands of the gm it's just like money like right wow we 
killed all of the zombies in Detroit and yeah. got this thing. And when we calculate our costs, we broke even. <laughs> yeah. We lost Lindsay and Steve to break even. Like, let's go get another job. <laughs> like, um, one thing I thought is uh, uh, another thing would could be a living will sort of thing. Like yeah. The player could, like, specify uh, or, like, make characters in the waiting, like, in the wings waiting, like an understudy character. Mm-hmm. Like, some people like, yeah, if I die, then Steve, our, 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 uh, Security guard who watches our the where the lapidated warehouse we we uh, you know train in uh, could then go on our active crew and we could find another. Security. Oh yeah, um, that's something for character generation. I forgot. I, yeah. I want there to be a contact system. Okay, uh, a little like Nice Black Agents, where you can like spend points that you invested in your contact. Yeah, to have them do favors for you. Yeah, so that'd be another thing. Like, uh, I mean, not all your contacts have to be in safe zones. You could be getting subcontractor work from other crews. Yeah. Like, well, we don't have a truck, so yeah. you guys have a truck. Uh, but um, you could end up playing that contact on your guy's sheet. Yeah, if like, he died. Yeah. yeah, if he died. So, um, Yeah, those are good questions. Yeah. Uh, then there's... Then there's basically the outfit, the company you're with, uh, yeah. with your with your fellow players, and the the basic idea is that while well, betrayal will be a thing that happens because of the humanity system, right? Otherwise, it is not in your best interest to start playing lone wolf because you are just going to die. Like, yeah, you need everyone's help. No man is an island. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so uh, you you've got that. So I'm I'm kind of taking part of this from Ash and Stars, and they have a really cool mechanic in that you're out crusading for justice and things like that. And so your good rep or your bad rep doesn't really determine much except the time it takes you to get a job. So the the reputation system, other than like being based on things you do in play, doesn't really actually have any effect in the game until the game stops. But when the game starts back up, the time it took you to get the new job determines how much money you lose right at the start of the session to represent like buying food and fuel and, and things of that nature. Right. So it determines upkeep cycles that you have to pay rather than uh, anything specific. So I thought that was kind of cool, but I wanted it to be um, a bit more complicated and expansive because Ash of Stars is like really being space cops. Yeah. Uh, whereas this is like being space business. Right. Um, so, the, the basic idea I have for the rep mechanic is um, sliding scales. So um, I've got an advertisement scale, an action scale, and an etho scale, <laughs> and they're all kind of based on um, how you're perceived as a company rather than, rather than what you actually do. It's just right. a matter of that. So your advertisement scale, you've got a personal and a professional, and they oppose on advertisement. So in personal... You have to do like uh, you have to pay a cost for everything. So the cost is you need to do cameras and you need to upload footage of you doing your job because there's a big uh, thrill seeker audience for people who live in safe zones, like watching these crazy bastards. Yeah, I'd watch it. Yeah, I mean, I've watched Vice videos on YouTube. Yeah, it's now. like it's like Russian dashboard cabs, but <laughs> less crazy. Um, <laughs> But so you have to pay to maintain that equipment. So it's a constant upkeep cost. But if you do that and you do stunts in the field or you trash truck other crews and stuff like that, you become a brand like you're that crazy guy that works for that crew. Uh, It's a cult of personality advertisement. Whereas professional advertisement is that you actually pay for traditional advertisement. So you um, 
you open source your planning stages, you uh, make commercials, you put advertisements around refugee camps in the form of flyers. Uh, you've got to do things, yeah, uh, and you've got to be seen as someone who doesn't mess around. Uh, but you 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 pay for that traditional advertisement, and you show them that you're not just some gun crazy zombie killer, thrill seeker, yeah, yeah, and you seem like a professional person. All right, um, action is how you do a job. So you could be tough, and you could be smart. So uh, tough, your cost is that you need to spend. Uh, I, I don't know what the number is, but you'd have to spend X amount of numbers on weapons upkeeps. Like, you're mainly burning your way through zombies with bullets. Uh, and then the thing you would have to do is, to earn more is to uh, take down hordes of zombies of sufficient size and or rival groups, like raiders, cannibals. Right. Know, crazy cultists. cults. Yeah. yeah. Um, smart would be you're sneaky and you're getting with tactics. So in that case, you need to spend a certain amount on transportation or info during the research phase of a mission. Right. Um, and that's the cost to qualify for it. And then to do things, you escape hordes without shooting or you negotiate like allies or, you know, peace treaties with rival groups and things. So like, are you crafty about it or do you just murder everything? Uh, and then the last one doesn't have a cost because it's just based solely on actions. That's ethos which is honor or pragmatism. Like, so you gain honor if you take more dangerous, less lucrative jobs to fulfill a goal or just, like, help the orphanarium or something. <laughs> uh, whereas you gain pragmatism points if you take a hit to your goals, your beliefs, or your humanity in order to make more money for your group. Right. Um, and the way that affects the game is that... So here's the thing. Uh it colors the type of jobs GMs can build and the PCs can propose. So let's say that uh, you've got this group and they've got personal one, professional three. Uh, they subtract. So he's got what, three minus one. He's got professional two instead. That's yeah. what he's seen as. Uh, he's got smart four, tough one, honor three, pragmatist one. Um, so let's say Steve has his negotiation skill to read an NPC that he's trying to get a job from. Um, he succeeds, and the negotiation skill tells him that the guy likes a high body count. So his smart skill isn't going to count. Um, he also finds charity cases unpredictable, so they won't care that he's honorable. But he does know that the client really likes a man who can run a business, so he likes professional people. So now Steve knows to use in his pitch meeting, he needs to make his pitch professionally. Like, try and see, like, oh, just another day at the zombie office, you know? Yeah. Um, and then he gets to use his reputation's bonus in his role. So in addition to Steve's social role modifier, he gets to use his company's role because he figured out what the guy wants, and his company has a reputation for that. I gotcha. Um, it's like, I really like this idea of like, um, I negotiating for jobs and negotiating in general sounds like a very big, like game system. Like if you, this is that, that's what these reps are for basically. Right. Yeah. Um, and because I mean, it sounds like it's something that could become a mini game within red markets. That's yes. very important. And so like, there could be like, instead of like in Shadowrun, 
one of the complaints, you know, is they always have the hacker who does his own thing, which is like a separate game. So like there could be negotiator. Let me do my thing. And then like <laughs> everyone else, like, he's still negotiating. Hold off the zombies for another 10 rounds, <laughs> you know? So yeah. this is just like that mission in fucking shadow on returns, you know, <laughs> except you're talking instead of like plinking away at a computer. Uh, uh, yeah. And I also I goal is that you really kind of inspired me with the build, um, base mm-hmm. rules that you build had in base, base Raiders or, yeah. where the players base propose things. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, uh, it could be a separate game within a mission, yeah. and you could have like your best person do it. Yeah. But it could also be a way to build a game, like with the GM. Like, so yeah. it's the end of the session you just ran. The GM needs notes to make something else. Right. Uh, if you if you separated a, a job into tracks, like you know, right. research things like that. Each player pitches, and then who wins yeah. is who won the pitch roll. Like yeah. who gets to decide that element of it. Um, so it could be kind of like a PvP within the group, even right. though it's kind of taking place outside the narrative. I like that, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, the other mechanic for your character sheet with your company is inside traders. So I want you to be able to spend your rep. So uh, I don't know. It should be like three rep, five rep. I don't have the economy worked right. out yet. But say I have like five rep in professional stuff. Um then I I spend it all. I attract uh, Gary Blevins, who is a financial advisor for clients in a safe zone. He's a regular professional guy. He's got nothing to do with taking, but he keeps finding a lot of his wealthier clients have things they need to retrieve from the loss, the, the area that's been given up to zombies. And so he would like to have an in-house taker group with him to do stuff. So right. if you spend five on um, on Larry Blevins, uh, you he can assist you in research checks to serve. Uh, he could serve as a solace. He could be a friend that for a single PC in the group right. to help their connection bonus. Um, he helps diversify by boosting the score of another rep field because once you get rid of that five, you're now considered more. Uh, if you get five, get rid of five in professional, but you already have two in uh, personal, now you can start working on your personal bonus. Um, he arrives with a pitch job, so he, he arrives already with a job in hand, So and so that eliminates your upkeep cycle for that round, which is the amount you have to pay to keep all of your gear working. Right. Uh, which is another bonus of the sheet, because it keeps you all that in one place. Um and then he uh, contributes to your market share, and market share means that if you get an insider track, if you get inside an insider trader in each of the six fields, they don't compete anymore. Like you become the Walmart of zombie murderers. <laughs> you are everything to everyone. You're, more like the Apple. Like, yeah, like, basically. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, it's a little more elite. Yeah. Um, and at that point, it becomes really easy to save for your retirement plan right. because you have plus one in everything, and they're not competing. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then there'd be ways to lose rep and things like that. But, uh, the, the character, I I think the company needs to be in its own character because how it's perceived is going to affect everybody. And then how much it costs to run depends on everybody's gear and how much they're carrying and what they're using. Yeah. And it's best to have that in one place. Like, all right, we all have this stuff. Yeah. This is how much we have to pay per upkeep cycle. Yeah. Um, if our rep isn't high enough, we're going to have to pay this three times before the next game, and we're all going to be bankrupt. Right. But if we get our rep high enough, it'll just be one time, and we can make some more money. So, 
Um, yeah, I mean, like the gear, um, there could be something like the, you know, Apocalypse World slash Dungeon World model of like, you have seven weight of gear. You can have item one that uh, has five uses and then it's over with or something like that. Yeah. I, I think that's a little better than saying this, like per se, the Eclipse Phase uh, equipment system. No. Yeah. No, that's don't want to go that far. Yeah. That's a little complex. I mean, also, yeah. There's only, you don't want to get all, you know, tacto, tactical lull uh, on, uh, tactical uh, on guns uh, or something like that. You well, don't I'm get, like, I'm, I want to do like the names so you can have whatever cool gun you want. Yeah. Like, I'll get Glancy to just, spurt gun names into a table and pay them a freelancing fee for it. Stat-wise, I want it to be like... I don't want you to keep track of individual ammo. Like, I'll say every gun has charges. Like, yeah. you use up charges to get your stats up to into the black. One fight worth, yeah. And then, once you've done that, you need to race in a magazine charge off of it. Yeah. You're out of magazine charge, you, you now have a club. Like, yeah. Uh, other than, like, damage bonuses, or, like, because I haven't figured out how to do damage yet, but... Other than that, the, it'll be like modifiers to hit and succeed on gear, right. or even like if you're hacking, like modifier and then charges. Yeah, I think one thing, um, the thing about combat though, I think there should be two really separate systems for combat. Like the zombie combat should be very different than yes, the zombie thing should definitely be an attrition system rather, and then combat against other people should be really fucking scary. Yes, yeah, yes. So uh, that, that's something you already have in mind. I do have it in mind. I'm not sure I want to do it, but that yeah. goes into like, well, that's my things I haven't figured out yet, which yeah. is later. So um, I know one thing that adds a lot of like for fighting people is a faint system where um, I know you mentioned this in your Western game or like you had in the mass combat, yeah. like where you write down the tactic and then you reveal at the same. Oh time. yeah, yeah. Uh, if that's done right, because then that adds a lot of you know bluffing and element of surprise and that mm-hmm. kind of thing, and it's also like. Um, I know uh, there there was a Palladium. Well, actually, it wasn't Palladium at first, but it Palladium bought out a game called Recon, which was a Vietnam era like military RPG, mm-hmm. and they had some interesting. It was very very sort of basic, you know, early eighties design, but they had real interesting rules for combat. They basically said there's three types of gunfights: an ambush where your ha- gun skill is halved and their skill is doubled. Yeah, because uh, they fucking got the drop on you. Yeah. Two, a turkey shoot, you're the one ambushing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then three, a stand-up fight. Which it, it's almost yeah, which is even, but like he said it was either really rare. It's all yeah, it's really rare. It's either turkey shoots or ambushes. You're either yeah. you get the drop on them or you don't. Because you don't like pe- no one in a war wants to be in a stand-up fight. They want to one be doing the ambushing or they they're just dumb or you know, unlucky enough to get caught in an ambush. So I think that would be the same kind of thing. So you don't have the kind of cinematic gunfights you're either shooting people in the back because <laughs> it's fucking dangerous enough as it is you don't want yeah. to wild west it you know you're not uh no i completely agree in fact like damage and hit locations and things yeah. like that the the stuff that's like pausing me and getting that solidified yeah uh which is i think is the last thing before it'd be play testable rules yeah is um i want the difference to be between standard zombie combat and full-blown, like, we all both have guns combat. I also want there to be, like, a serious difference between, like, I've been a zombie for five years combat versus Steve just turned into a zombie It is like, Olympic sprinting towards me, like, yeah. spewing blood from all his pores. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I want there to be a serious difference between, like, shamblers versus, yeah. like, the uncommon casualties. Like, right. Um. So, like, trying to think of a way to engineer that, that's the hurdle I haven't thought of yet. Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe like scary zombies use the human combat rules, which is why they're so fucking deadly. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Um, so. Um, so, yeah, once you have your outfit uh, character sheet, basically, and you calculate your upkeep cost, uh, the financial system is going to operate off of a basic supply-demand curve. I'm going to use actual economics for it. Um, so you can affect things through marketing. Like if you spend for advertising, uh, you can affect things through marketing. Um, but not totally because it is microeconomic. Right. Um, and you, uh, I'm going to have optional rules for speculation. So like they don't make Twinkies anymore in the apocalypse. And if you can get me the Twinkies, it'll be like, I'll give you a million for a Twinkie. I'll get, and until it pops. Right. Um, optional rules for that. And then I want to have rules for enclave economies because I don't want it to all be just basic capitalism. I like that. But like, I want there to be like Detroit secedes from the Union and now they're a barter economy or right. now they're a controlled communist economy. The warlord of Grand War- Warsaw, Michigan. Yeah. So yeah. I want there to be barter force, feudal, controlled, and full blown capitalist, which is yeah. libertarian uh, economies. Somalia, uh, yay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I want there to be rules for like dealing with individual sex like that. Okay. But basically, like if you do the same type of job over and over again, that job like, gets less money. Like if you keep on bringing back food, right. you've now increased the supply and decreased the demand. And so, um, you know, one thing um, that also comes to mind um, player characters could be speculators. Uh, instead of like waiting for a job that someone offers them, they'd be like, I bet somebody would pay a shitload of money for a Twinkie. Let's go to the Twinkie factory, dudes. And then they just risk all their money up front and then try to speculate and try and like that. That could be, yeah, uh, that could be something in the future. Though. I didn't mention that in the outfit, but that that's my plan for like you can do that. OK, but that's also my plan if like you can't meet your upkeep cycle. OK, like if you can't meet your upkeep cycle before the next game. Yeah. Like and you're going to have to start shedding gear like you can shed gear. And, and amenities and sanity, basically. Um, but if you don't want to do that, you can design a score, and that'll yeah. be basically another, a build a job option. Okay. Uh, but then the GM is charged with like making it really hard and uncommon. unpredictable. Yeah, yeah, unpredictable. All right. Um, so uh, along with the financial system, like, and this is mainly stuff for the GM. Uh, there, I, I want a random roll job option. So I've I've already pretty much come up with that. Uh, yeah, that's a fun stuff. And design. then there's uh, <laughs> there's market fiat options. You know, the GM just designs a job. And yeah, that's a job you get. And then there's the build the job options. So right. I want there to be three ways to make an adventure. So like, I basically divided it between goods and services. Like, and you might combine them. Like, so uh, if I roll my first d10 and I get a six, uh, we're going to go get vehicles of any kind, so long as they need to be functional. Uh, so there's a bike factory and we're going to steal a shit ton of bikes because they're the most common form of conveyance now in the safe zones. Like bicycle bicycles. Not yeah, yeah, you know, bicycle bicycles. Yeah. Um, but, you know, metal costs money and it's better than making new ones. Right. Uh, if we steal a truck full of them. Yeah. Um, and then I roll another D10 on services and I get an eight and that's reclaim. So take back and secure zombie territory. So, all right, then the job is Go to this bike factory, kill all the zombies inside the bike factory, fortify it so more can't get in, and then give me a load of bikes on the way out. Like, so we can go pick up bikes whenever we want, as all long right. as we have gas. Right. Um, and if they want the job to be worth more, you roll again on the table. Like, so maybe you need more bikes, or maybe you need to get bikes and data. Like, or maybe designs. you need to bring workers there so they can, like, 
protect and like yeah that'd be uh that would be uh transport move yeah. something someone one place to another like yeah. so you're adding complications to the job yeah uh but it's worth more money right uh so yeah so that there is a random role in a build a job okay table um so that's the financial system and then there's a bunch of stuff i have not figured out yet <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mentioned that you're, you're like the the actual game balance of like various units, you know, like how many charges or guns get and the the hit location. I know you mentioned that when we were talking earlier and stuff like that. Yeah, so like there's there's economy stuff like character economy and there's yeah. like skill points, uh, hit points, gift points like for your stats and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, how many notches are in between snafu and scandal on your uh, humanity tables? I don't know those numbers yet. And yeah. those numbers, sadly, matter and will be entirely arbitrary until we play test. Right. Um, there's the charge economy of, like, items. I would really like to standardize it, but is that going to make the game feel, like, flat and sort of, like, meaningless in terms of getting gear? Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I don't want you, like, counting individual bullets in a clip and get all Phoenix commandy and too boring with, like, cat tracking resources. Yeah. So like figuring that out. And then there's like the currency economy, which, you know, I'm going to use the IDs, the the bounties on people's licenses as the basic currency, but not that, but like basic numbers, like how much does food cost in that unit? Like how much is, because that could be like manipulated. Like if I set that too high, like everybody's just feeding themselves and going at the zombies with like crowbars and sharp nails, uh, you know, like, so how, what kind of balance uh, with the numbers. Um, I need to come up with some sort of an exchange or an arbitration system for building a job, like, with the whole group. Like, so that people aren't just, like, randomly, uh, you know, fighting each other or one person's getting their way the whole time. Right. Um, and then my biggest thing is hit locations and damage, because that's really hard to do in a zombie game. Yeah. Because your zombies are completely immune except for one hit location. Uh, whereas humans don't like bullets really anywhere. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, so I thought about like making intrinsic, like based on your profit when you roll. Um, I thought of doing like walking hit locations. So like if you break even, if you're at zero, then it's the gut. But if you get a plus one, you get the chest. And if you get a two, you get the neck. And if you get a three, you get a headshot. But yeah. then, like, there's it, you can easily make that too hard, and and this is something I've seen in like uh, all flesh must be eaten and stuff. Like yeah. sometimes it's so freaking hard to hit the zombie in the head that like it's just yeah. Depending on not what rules you're using for the zombies in particular, because you build your zombies in all yeah. flesh, so uh, you can yeah. And certain zombies that. are just like yeah, run. You have to run, and I yeah. I don't. I want the characters to feel like professional zombie murderers. Like, right. I want them to feel some aspect of power. Yeah. I just don't want it to matter in the long term because right. they're poor. Um, <laughs> so uh, you know, building that kind of system that can do both things is I'm still up in the air on. Yeah, uh, and that that takes time to work out. Um, I mean, a lot of it. Uh, how much of this have you actually like typed? I'm, uh, I mean, I see your notes right there, but like, how much of that is like actually like formally written up in like a, a draft that you could? Like, uh, back not enough. Yeah. Uh, there's the thing is, it's like with this notebook. Yeah. Having done stuff like this before, I could make tables and character sheets that are usable in Excel. Yeah. In a couple nights' work. Right. Like if I knew we had a game 
night open and I knew we had people willing to play test it, right. I could easily get something ready right? Uh, and just explain the rules to people. Right. Well, well the, the thing is, uh, for me, I don't know, sometimes when I'm stuck on some element, just making sure I have – reviewing what I've typed up and written – helps especially so like describing some part of the rules in enough detail like then i go oh yeah i should have it like this or something like yeah. that so that's something if, you, if you're stuck on something that's something I, I i do that helps me yeah it could just kind of come to me when i actually yeah. get it all ready and not handwritten in a notebook yeah some of it you you could just be like yeah if you if you get stuck uh yeah just <laughs> fucking art guess <laughs> yeah uh, or, uh but other stuff like the travel system like yeah that's a d100 Random roll table. So I'm you should not actually write look at yet. the random encounter rules for fantasy RPGs, like yeah. uh, Hackmaster. Um, no, I'm definitely going to do stuff. Yeah, like, um, like we have the new edition of Hackmaster. We got a, a copy from uh, the new thing at Gen Con, and they got really fucking detailed rules for that shit. So, yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, that I do need to type it up. But yeah. um, here's the thing: what's next? Like, what episode do we do next? Yeah, it's basically like, do I get done with my freelancing job before? Uh, uh, Spot opens up, yeah, and before playtesters are ready, <laughs> in which case I'm going to start writing the book now, right? Uh, and the next thing we'll do is drafting, right? Because I'm 45k into the book I'm writing for Better Angels, right? And we'll see when spots open up because we're already playing two nights a week, and yeah, people are leaving countries and <laughs> vacation. One person is, thank you. Very well, Tom, yeah. any number of times, like <laughs> here and then. Um, uh, but then if spots and playtests open up before I'm done freelancing, yeah. I can take a couple nights off freelancing to make something, and then we'll do playtesting. All right. But, Sounds good. Uh, so lessons learned. Uh, I guess this is the Western anecdote. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've actually done this part before. Yes, sadly. you have. Uh, <laughs> I think you're like, uh, so yeah, Caleb, you ran a game for us. Uh, you ran a game for us. Uh, with a, he had an idea for a, a fantasy it's the horror western. Uh, yeah, fantasy horror western. Uh, very kind of inspired by the Sixth Gun. Yes, uh, from a comic series written by Cullen Bond, which is very excellent, by the way. Uh, and in it, was, it, it was like part Six Gun, part Unknown Armies. Part Unknown Armies. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so we were playing various mischief makers who showed up in the small town. Yeah. Get caught up in shenanigans, and I remember my character was based on a. 1890s Chinese triad gunfighter, uh, mock duck. <laughs> yeah, and, mock duck. And spin in a circle. Spin in a circle. Fire all your bullets. Fire all your bullets. Uh, <laughs> and the system, the base system, would work very well. And so we're going back, finding out that there's town has this creepy preacher, and mm-hmm. the creepy preacher has weird secrets going on. And we investigate, and we find out, oh shit, uh, we need. He has a magical artifact that's really bad, and we need to go deal with that. Because uh, we're trapped in the small towns, like in a, in the bottom of a ravine or something, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's at like, the end of a river for a gold mine. Or yeah. Like so that. like we keep, we we're fucked if we don't deal with this. Mm-hmm. And but then we break out mass combat rules because we rally because the cultists you are coming. rally the town and the yeah. game just yeah. collapses. <laughs> uh, well, we finish the scenario. We have the AP, and I will post it. Uh, Please don't. Uh, <laughs> you can, but it's sad. <laughs> it's. Uh, I think we'll let the listeners decide. Oh. 
but they because the rules the, this is your first version of a mass combat system having not played any mass combat games yeah before just read uh, a few yeah right, just yeah. read a few never played warhammer or anything like mm-hmm. that um there's some there's some you it know caved in. Yeah. I- I- inadequacies uh but we we managed to save the people and or saved ourselves basically everything the town everything was on fire by the end basically yeah. um and i yeah we had fun with it uh but yeah like uh, we didn't understand various options. We made decisions that were very poor tactical decisions <laughs> on, on retrospect. Yeah. Um, I nearly got my character gotten shot up twice or something like yeah. that. Like I let her charge. Everyone in the charge die <laughs> on both sides. Like yeah. it was just like charge of the light brigade, except for my character just ducked into a store as soon <laughs> yeah. as it happened. I remember that bit. Uh, but yeah, so that, uh, so, so I wrote 26 pages of stuff. Yeah. Like game. And I'm, it's all like I have it saved, but it's all in the trash now. Like yeah. I like the idea of that game, and I would like to approach that one yeah. day in the future. But uh, mechanically wise, no, it's it's just in the trash. So I think the thing with this is like, from what I learned from that experience, and what I'm hoping in, in Redmark, it's like I've done a lot of work on this, and I'm doing a lot more, and I need to be prepared at all times to throw it in the trash. Like yeah, it could just flat out not work, kill your babies. Um, yeah, and then uh. There's also the fact like you need to be careful who you play test with. Like yeah. I would never bring that to like a game store. Right. No. People do not handle mechanics they don't like well, especially some gamers. They are not right. mature enough. I mean eventually <laughs> eventually you have to play test with those kind of people, but that's like the final that's the final stage. Yeah, like you don't bring yeah. a first draft. Yeah, you to don't bring a first draft. Yeah. Like, and you guys were very nice, but I could still you like getting annoyed. Like, yeah. Because that like people don't like bad mechanics, they get annoyed yeah. with them. So yeah, uh, it's gonna be like yeah. When we play test room market, it's gonna be kind of interesting because I'm gonna have to like shepherd the interest of the group yeah. to keep them with me long enough while it's broken. Right. Because like, it's going to start broken. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, so that's a lesson to learn. But then you have to write it anyway. Like, right. Well, I mean, I think also for me, part of the reason why we had some difficulties with the Western game is that we didn't have anything to refer to, really. We didn't have very – there weren't – you didn't have much for us in the way yeah. of, like – reference materials or yes. quick sheet cheat sheets for the rules yes. or anything. I, I should have made more. Yeah. So. Uh, made, yeah. More comprehensive material so we could look, okay, if we do this, if we roll this, this is how we do a skill test and this is how we mm-hmm. do that. So something along those lines would definitely help. Uh, yeah. Uh, certainly when critiquing it later on or whatever. So, but yeah. Yeah. So definitely something I need to do before you read yeah. But then at the same time, like, which is kind of terming the theme of game designers workshop, at least yeah. in terms of comments and stuff. Like, you also, in preparing to throw everything out, you also need to have the courage and the the eye to understand when someone's just like pet peeving you. Like, yeah. Like, uh, why didn't you make a fate game? Why didn't you make a Pathfinder game? Right. Like, that's not a valid critique. Like, you yeah. know. Um, and why is your play not a musical? You know. Exactly. Uh, and that's, I think I'm prepared for that pretty easily because I come from like a creative writing workshop. Right. It's like, I like the story because my uncle's named Jim and this character's named Jim. So you wrote a good story. Like you need to, you need to recognize that like that's terrible advice yeah. and that you might not have a good story. The like, saga of Jim for seven books. Yeah. So like, for instance, like Jason loved the game. Yeah. But Jason loves Westerns. Yeah. And 
I don't think Jason loved the system because I don't know how anybody could because it was a huge failure. Um, <laughs> You're very hard on yourself. Uh, other people like would have they, like hated certain mechanics just because like I hate D100 or I hate yeah. D20 or hate like and that's not a valid critique. Like yeah, yeah, they can hate it personally, but they're not the target demographic. Then. Right. If it's a game for people who like that, <laughs> I disagree with your views on capitalism. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not the game for you. Yeah. Uh, if you think the zombies will bring about a socialist utopia, that's that's a different game. Though I could see how the title's misleading. <laughs> I don't understand why a capitalist society wouldn't be anything but a utopia that's free for government regulation. Like, or that would be the other opposite view. Yeah. Uh, like, you're too hot on the... Yeah, so... So uh, you need to be prepared to throw it all away. Yeah. But you need to write a whole bunch anyway. Yeah. And you need to know when it's, like, shitty and needs to go yeah first like when somebody's just working on a hobby horse right uh so yeah we'll see if we do that next or yeah. if i just start writing it next yeah that's true um i am actually thinking about uh working on the next rpg too uh with the carcosa theme like yeah uh, yeah um since the gumshoes opened ogl now so like uh, I've always wanted to like follow up, uh, do a Kickstarter based on my Carcosa material. So maybe uh, depending on what state that is, and so we could talk about that as well. Yeah, well, definitely. So, um, so. Yeah, the drafting uh, episode will just be like how to write good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> advice and stuff like that. Well, I mean, also talk about like RPG game writing is it, it's actually closer to technical writing than it is creative writing. Yeah, it's a bastard fusion of yeah. tech writing. And um, writing. So because you have to be able to explain rules clearly and precisely and manage headers, organize yeah, stuff. Yeah, like. there's a lot of there's a lot of meta issues related, not just the text itself. So uh, your experience is dealing with that the first time. I mean, there's a reason why I just used fate for <laughs> base readers because like, <laughs> yeah. fuck that shit. I'm just Grabbing something that already works. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So you're right. We'll probably talk about like um, including examples in play. Like yeah. I think that's one thing I don't think RPGs do enough. I don't think they give us the fiction of the game. Like, yeah. for example, Linda's trying to do this with her character blank, and then yeah. like those little italicized paragraphs. Yeah, I think examples. That's how I learned to play games. Yeah, like I read the rules. I'm like, well, I don't really get, it. and then I read those like two paragraphs and. I feel like a lot of games underutilize that. That's true. Uh, that's um, certainly. Uh, I, I need to show you the void actually, since I just got yeah. that. I, I mentioned that before, but mm-hmm. um, I picked up a copy of the void from Drive Through RPG, their print-on-demand version, and it's a sci-fi horror game that uses Cthulhu mythos in space. Uh, and but they do a really clever thing right at the beginning where they inter- they have a couple like ten pages of introductory material, then they put the introductory adventure first, and then they like. Uh, here's how you make a skill roll. Here, like, there's there's four pregens. Start running this. Here's how they make skill tests. Go. And, oh, like, okay. it's very, like, pick up. cool. Yeah, no, like, I could run an adventure just reading those 20, 30 pages. Of nice. Um, and then just get the PDF and print out the character sheets and just hand them over to you guys. Uh, yeah, I mean, truth be told, like, if I get into the drafting phase, I'll probably yeah. be writing setting material first. Yeah. Uh, until we do playtesting, yeah. Rather before diving too deep into like 150 pages of rules that I'm going to yeah. throw out. Um, but yeah, that that's good. You need to have a style guide if you have a book that long. Like, yeah, you need to know specifically what you're doing with certain grammatical things. How like, you to categorize subjects like headers, yeah. subheaders, like what goes mm-hmm. where. Yeah. Um, I know the I boring stuff you don't think about until you have to do it. And, yeah. Or don't do it and curse yourself for not doing yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, the next episode will be months, if not years, from now. And um, it'll either be about 
writing stuff or how bad the play test went and <laughs> if any rules that we talked about survive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Always the optimist there, Dale. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this has been Game Designers Workshop, Episode 3, Mechanics. Uh, we'll yeah, talk to you guys next time. Bye.